0: Devin here from Mozilla Companies, and welcome to our podcast. If you're new, welcome. We're happy to have you with us. If you're returning, welcome back. Thank you for your continued support. In this episode, Mike close and I assemble a team of engineers, managers, and draftsmen to discuss an issue that started back in the 60s. You may know it as window, serrated, or zipper track, but in this podcast, for the most part, we refer to it as an arch beam. The voices you'll hear on this podcast are all from progressive cranes based here in Cleveland, Ohio. You'll hear from Matt Mazella, a general manager of engineered products, Rick Miket, an engineering manager, Chris Whitney, a sales engineer, and last but not least, Matt Vantaggi, a draftsman. We discuss what arch beams are, when and why they were made, why they're an issue of concern now, and a whole lot more.
1: different names you know they go by arch
0: beams Uh, we've seen window track zipper track castellated beams but from what we've heard there's a lot of these that are still uh existing in a lot of manufacturing facilities production facilities and we wanted to talk about why that's dangerous uh, to workers that are in that facility and what are some of the problems with those types of systems
1: all right so arch beams um window track is as it's commonly known um was last produced in the 60s <clears throat> uh, it was originally produced for um under crane applications um higher duty cycle it was it was known because of the hardened steel that was used for the lower part of the track uh to handle handle higher duty cycles so um it was extremely popular for the very short time it was produced, but again, it hasn't been produced since the 60s. Um, the concern that has been raised with it is that it is, it has a shelf life or a service life, so nowadays it is beyond its service life, so uh, we've been told by different manufacturers that you know it, this really needs to be seriously looked at with regards to inspections of the track and replacement um, what they found after uh, repeated studies and uh, overall usage that the the bottom flange of these tracks tends to weaken the welds um, basically the window portion where it attaches to the lower, part of the track was not welded all the way around, it was just welded on the sides. So um, after after a certain period of time, those welds weakened and would peel away. And once one broke, it had a zipper effect, which is why it got the name of zipper track. So what you'll find Is that the different manufacturers have their own recommendations based on their own track Um, but typically what you'll see is they recommend that inspections are done regularly to the welds visual inspections Um, and then in problem areas a full-blown mag particle inspection is done to to make sure that these welds are in in place uh, and, and proper, but um, different different uh, inspecting companies and, and service companies have their own stance on what they recommend is done. Um, what I typically see is that full replacement's done, but capital expenditures, obviously there's, there's budget concerns that people have, so um, we've seen people get partial, you know partial system replacements done and then over time just completely get it replaced but um it is definitely a major concern that um we see within our industry as we're going out into these facilities and seeing because there's some facilities that have five thousand ten thousand feet of this track and again capital expenditures don't necessarily warrant uh having full replacement of that immediately sure but you had said that it's
0: it's legitimately at the end of its life cycle stage. Do capital expenses or any other government assistance kind of step in and say like, Hey, clearly this stuff is, you know, no longer as safe as it used to be. If you're going to replace some or all, or, you know, start a replacement program, is there any assistance whatsoever to help somebody replace all that stuff? So they're not completely eating the full brunt of that cost.
1: That I'm not sure of. Um, I could probably find that out, but, um, yeah, they, I, I I typically defer to the manufacturer. Um, you know, pictures always help so that we can figure out what manufacturer's track it is because uh, there were at least three different manufacturers of this of this stuff, and some of them even had different uh, models or designs as well. So um, we typically defer to what the manufacturer recommends. Um, you know, our, our service techs are trained on what to look for. Um, With regards to welds and whatnot, how often do you guys see it when you go to visit a facility? Whether you're
0: quoting a new crane or a replacement system, I mean,
1: older facilities you're going to run into it. Um, A lot of them being, um, you know, I I would I would call manufacturing facilities, Um, you know, machine jobs, mold jobs, that type of those types of places. Um, We've got one client that has few thousand feet of it. And, you know, we've, we've had the discussion with them. They understand that, you know, it is a a situation that needs to be rectified. Um, But ultimately the, the, the major concern that a, a owner should have with having this track in their facility is that there is legal ramifications if it stays and there's not taken care of on a regular basis or inspected on a regular basis Um, and it's not just you know through OSHA or business ramifications but uh, criminal. Really? Yes. Is any of this stuff being installed
0: today 2018?
1: I ran into a situation where a gentleman had purchased it via auction and he wanted us to come and hang it in his facility and I told him that we could not do it and he was insistent on on putting it up but it is not being produced anymore so um, you know some of the manufacturers will say you know 2004 Gore or Cleveland Tramrail came out and said that uh, you know th- there's a warning warning with regards to their track and and what what their typical recommendations are and again it's like I said it's it's um, if, if replacement is not immediately possible, inspection, you know, visual inspection, and then mag particle inspection are required in order to main t- maintain that uh, the equipment's in working order. If it's not in working order, it's got to be tagged out and pulled out. What is Just, that? I'm curious. Just
2: curious. You're saying the weld is only on the outside and the, the inside was not welded. Can... It, are you allowed to have those welded i mean can
1: we... that's another one I'd, I'd, I'd probably defer to the manufacturer okay. um, which i've got some contacts for you guys uh, at each manufacturer so that you can talk to their engineers and their their people on what their official stance is too okay cool. so any of the questions that come up that i can't answer i'd defer to them
3: okay yeah and a lot of the welding issues chris is actually talking about are not that. The welds were bad, the welds were inadequate, it has nothing to do with that. These things have a fatigue service life and that's what the service life comes to is it's being fatigued. All metals fatigue over time and you'll get microcracks within the structure and that's what actually lets go on these crane systems because it just, you get microcracks over time. The service life on these was not... For heavy production and these things see unbelievable amounts of production going through them and that's being that old seeing that much in their service life like a shackle I don't know if same thing that uh, happens to shackles um, shackles any lifting products um, we've had some in uh, steel mills where They put a sister hook on it, and they just always use that sister hook. While the sister hook was rated at 50 tons, the crane may have been rated at 50 tons, but if you look at a crane hook, the crane hook on a service duty class is significantly larger Mm -hmm. so that you don't get into that um, state of stressing that hook out. So if you're lifting 50 tons with a 50-ton hook, you only have so many cycles before it fatigues out and that's exactly what's happening on these on these tracks it's not that the welds are bad or inadequate or anything like that it's it's purely down to fatigue and the only way to really identify whether something's fatiguing and get a snapshot picture for that moment is to really mag particle penetrant or even
0: ultrasonic test. So what exactly do those cover? Because I visual inspection makes sense, you look at it for micro cracks or whatever, or like bad welds, but like what exactly do those particle inspections and everything else that you said, what exactly do those do that document whether it's good or not good? So
3: a mag particle inspection or die penetrant test are essentially interchangeable, and what they'll do is they'll highlight a crack in a weld. Uh, mag particle, it sends magnetic field through, and the material will migrate to that crack in the weld, whereas a dye penetrant, the dye um, with its developer will highlight cracks in the welds. So those are surface, those will show show surface um, imperfections, cracks, all that stuff, whereas an ultrasonic will not essentially identify surface cracks, it'll identify what's going on underneath.
0: Is there a percentage that you have to inspect to clear
3: or... All of it.
0: Yep, the entire thing from start to finish? Every
3: single millimeter. So
0: how long does that take?
3: Um, last time I quoted that was about five years ago, and it was a total of ten weeks. Ten weeks. For a factory. I'm guessing it's probably expensive, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's when once you get into the... Die penetrant and mag particle inspection phase I mean you've got to grind paint away around the weld before you can do any work on it so you've got those welds every foot or so so all the way down on a you know a 300 foot track you're looking at you know 600 welds for both sides sure. yeah 600-610 welds that you got to go through and, and do that on every single one of them is that a common
0: thing that anybody can do, or is there like a specialized series of people that can do this type of work?
3: You have to be certified to be able to do either one of those. So Okay.
0: And it how often do you have to have that uh, performed? Yeah. Is it
1: annually?
3: I, There's, the manu, the, there is no time frame that they... The manufacturer specifies it should be done every year, I believe, okay. but I don't believe that... All manufacturers are consistent.
1: It's all based That's on on production too. If if it's a high production area, you're going to want to inspect it on a more regular basis. Um, sure. Yeah, and that that kind of goes back to the life cycle of the crane. Yeah, you know, it's it was manufactured for a somewhat higher duty cycle. If it wasn't being used that way, it the life of it is a little bit elongated compared to what what it was it was set out for. But at this point because it's you know this this far along or you know we're, we're 50 years past the last time it was produced you're beyond the life cycle regardless of what kind of duty duty the crane saw um you know, i'm reading here uh that one of the manufacturers says that they they uh recommend regular inspections as outlined in osha 1910.179 and ansi asme b3011 um, which are the safety standard for monorails and underhung cranes? Okay. So I would I would reference that as as part of part of you uh, know the other research.
0: You had said that there was a, a gentleman that had got it at auction, <clears throat> wanted you to use it. You said no. Let's say that that runway was already up there, and he just wanted us to throw a crane on top of it. Will we still say no? That at no point will we throw, a, you know, a bridge crane on there or anything. We will not use arch beams track. We, no matter what you call it, we will
1: not put any of our equipment on yours. We will, but it has to come with an inspection of the runway. Um, so we have to do the full inspection. We're actually working on a project right now where we're replacing. They've got two manufacturers of this window track in place. The runway is one manufacturer. The bridge is another. The bridge has already been determined to be uh, done for, so we're replacing the bridge portion. Um, but in doing that, we're also requiring that a runway study is done too or runway inspection is done as well as part of it because we don't want to be liable because we made a change to a crane on that runway we're, we want to make sure that we are not liable. And, and the customer, you know, again, has, has an updated record that the runway has been inspected as well. so Sure. Uh,
0: so then when we go down that route, do we need to add something that says, you know, if we're going to do this, we know you have arch beams, you know, part of this agreement will be us coming in to keep inspecting this on a regular basis or after we install it, then it's up to them to keep all their gear in working order and inspected.
1: We recommend, we'll recommend our... our routine inspection um to the to that client um but again it, it is still on that client you know to make sure that it is being inspected regularly now, this particular person is having it inspected regularly um yeah, his maintenance manager is a former crane inspection technician so he, he actually worked on this track and has inspected it over the last 16 17 years so he's familiar with it um but i'll i'll tell you i've i've seen seen it in the field and you yeah, know it's not regularly inspected all over i mean it's it's just not not something that people have on the on the forefront of their mind and mm-hmm. unfortunately it turns into a reactionary response and proactive you know you know proactively getting it taken care of have you ever been into a facility that's had equipment failure i have not um I'm sure some of our technicians have where they, where it has happened, but um, us were pretty proactive on it. I mean, even putting this material in somebody's hands basically makes them legally you know liable for for t- getting it rectified. Um, the gentleman who wanted to put it up still said he'd, he, he said he would find somebody that would put it up, so I, I made sure I put this material in his hands. So he has it and you know there's record that he has received this you know, this material from from the manufacturer, you know, with with their their recommendations and requirements.
0: So what's the design, what are the manufacturers replacing these beams with then? What's the new design? Is it just their standard runway beams or
1: so you, beams? you can go either you can go either direction and again it's it's based based on production. Um, in a higher production facility. Where they can't afford the, their footprint to have columns with a, a top running crane put in. They want to basically replace it with the same, same uh, design where we'll hang from the ceiling. Um, We'll, again, it, it'll be based purely on their application. If it's something that's high-duty cycle, we'll put in patented track, which, again, these manufacturers make, but it is a full weld all the way around. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's no windows in there. It's, it's a basically a flat web with a welded piece on the bottom, but it is it is welded all the way around. Um, so uh, other than that, if it's a lower-duty cycle, we can put just a normal wide flange or st- you know, standard I-beam in place. Oh. Rick, when you're uh, getting everything
0: set up for teams to go out, I mean, do they kind of report to you stuff that they see in the field and then you have to pivot from there, or do you kind of know early on what's in their facility, what they're planning on to put in the facility, and then you kind of make recommendations based off of those conversations?
2: Be Based on once they do the inspection stuff, come back, you know, with any questions, comments, issues, um, then we kind of go from there. But like Chris said, you know, all of our guys that go out to the field or train, and know what they're looking at, um, so when they're out there and, you know, they see one of these, probably the first thing is just, uh, before I go up there, you sure you want to spend the money on inspecting this? <laughs> you probably shouldn't have this in here. Let's talk about replacing it and, you know, call a guy like Chris out to help with that discussion. Or if he says, you know, it's part of my normal, you know, maintenance stuff, and then he, our inspectors just have to do their due diligence and be looking over every single weld and not just a uh, spot check, because... Um, as we alluded to it is called zipper track once one goes they all go so it's not like you can just spot check every other one
1: because again you, you lose one weld you're gonna lose lose all of them mm-hmm. know, so. yeah, right on. and i have seen clients get sections done at a time you know if they, they can't allot for production to be shut down for weeks at a time for us to come in and, and do the inspection over you know a few months they'll have us come in and check sections at a time that way they can shut a shut a you know part of their process down for a few days while we inspect and then come back again it's a little bit higher cost because we're remobilizing but sometimes that works the cost of lost production versus the cost of having remobilization you know to them it's offset sure yeah
0: Makes sense. And if it comes down, I mean, the total loss of everything and the replacement and, you know, potential injuries, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Dropping the bucket compared to remobilization and getting some other crews Absolutely.
1: out there to check it out. Do you know when this kind of started becoming a problem? I know Cleveland Tramrail was 2004 is when they issued their memorandum um, because that was getting to the point where it was about 40 years after they had stopped making the track. You okay. um, know, yeah, they... And actually, you know, now I'm, I'm looking yeah, a little 92. bit deeper here. They're actually calling 92, so it's 30 years after the track was, um, 30 years after, but then 12 years later came back and, and brought it back to light. Um, other manufacturers, uh, I'm not sure of their dates, uh, but you know, look at Echo, Echo Loudon had a, a style track that they uh stopped manufacturing in 1966 and um, also their super track, which was discontinued in 1978 so okay. um, I'm not sure when their memorandums were put together but um, yeah I'm just...
0: So in my experience usually anytime everybody rallies behind a concept it's because it's reactionary because something terrible happened. Is there any situation that you know of that happened around the 90s where, you know, a, a huge warehouse went down or there's a big issue cost replacement? Is there anything like that that you can think of that might have spurred all these changes out? Or do you think it's somebody was just on track with, this is in the
1: 60s, now we're getting to the 2000s, let's go ahead and start shutting this stuff down? My best guess would be that something happened. Um, and the only reason I can wager that is, they call it zipper track, which means it's happened. Um, I don't know if a, it, something catastrophic had happened around that time that may have may have warranted that, but um, I, I have not heard a story about it happening.
0: Have um, seen a bunch of pictures of- online of, of it? Because it's like a quarter of it will rip down, and you'll see some of it just kind of dangling on the side. Uh, so I know it's happened in a couple places, but I wasn't sure if you were just if there was one key incident that kind of spurred all this stuff.
1: Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Okay.
0: All right, another good question would be,
1: you know, how easy is it to,
2: say, they go to a patented track or something to modify their existing bridge to match up with that's track?
1: Yeah, and, and that's all going to depend on the manufacturer. It's a, it's a good question. Um, because the end trucks for the bridge are set for a certain flange width, the manufacturers have kind of held the line with regards to the the flange width on that lower uh, lower part of the beam. Uh, so I would imagine just by changing the design, they've still kind of held held together the the design of the of the lower part of the track to you know mate with the existing end trucks. Mm-hmm.
0: So would that kind of fall on the shoulders of, like, a draftsman to look at what's there, what's going on, and then to to write another plan to replace that to the spec, or where does that fall?
1: No, I mean, it, that'll all fall back on the manufacturer. Obviously, serial and model information is key because they'll be able to go back to the record, see exactly what they provided. Sometimes they don't have have the record, so, uh, you know, one of our sales engineers or a service tech would have to go back out there, take some dimensions on the existing track say hey, this is this is how it's mated it up to the building it whether it's hanging you know with hanger rods or or direct bolted to the the building header um just to make sure that everything's going to fit up properly it, it, yeah in extreme cases I, I would imagine if the end truck isn't going to fit or they they can't tell whether it's going to fit the new track or not we just put new end trucks and we can reuse the bridge as long as it's still within Yeah, new tolerances.
0: And that's all for today's podcast. I hope we were able to provide you with a better understanding of Archbeam's window track or whatever you decide to call them, in addition to some of the issues that surround them. If you liked what you heard, don't hesitate to share it with your friends or your coworkers, really anybody that you think might benefit from the podcast. You can also head over to mozellacompanies.com where we've got a ton of blog articles written and downloads available for you to grab. You can also catch our content on our YouTube channel by popping over to youtube.com slash mozellacompanies. Thank you for listening.